Hello and welcome to the Shoe the Bowl edition of Inside the Borough, the FAU podcast for and by fans. My name is Dan. I'm joined as usual by Jack and Shane, and we will be having an FIU guest later on. Yeah, this is the officially the 18th uh, Bowl uh, between Florida International and Florida Atlantic. This FAU has dominated this. Really hasn't been close for many years. FIU, I, I think, has won, had a two-game uh, they went two years in a row in, what, 2008 and 9, 9 and 10, something like that. But, um, yeah, always fun for – I think more fun for FAU fans than, uh, than FIU fans for sure um, since we, we tend to be the winners and we tend to be the ones that, that show up more. But this one is, is still a big game. Uh, again, the, like uh, we mentioned last week, Beating Western Kentucky enabled FAU to continue to play meaningful games more than just uh, for, you know, bowl eligibility. But this is a big game for, for FAU. And uh, FIU reeling a little bit. They had a rough loss. Uh, they had a rough loss last week against uh, Middle Tennessee. And, and we may talk a little bit about that. But I don't know, Shane, what's your um, – since you, you also do uh, a shootable podcast that we'll probably mention a, a couple times – uh, throughout this episode, what's um, what's your initial take on this FIU team? Just just for the re- just for the record, keep it. We won in 08 and 09. Actually, uh, 08 being probably the greatest Shula Bowl. Oh, oh, how could I forget that? I mean, yeah, uh, we lost in 2010 and 11. It was that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Glad two Howard's to 2011 and 2012. Excuse me. Um, yeah. Towards the end of Schnellenberger there, but um. Yes, they're absolutely reeling right now. I mean, they struggled to beat Old Dominion. Old Dominion started a true freshman quarterback last week. Uh, it, it, nothing uh, has gone right for them. Um, even worse in a way, some people want to make the comparison how it was to us last year. You know, they were preseason favorites. They had James Morgan coming back. Uh, you know, they um, all preseason offensive and defensive players of the year. Uh, and nothing has seemed to gone right, uh, but they've not lost a lot of close games. Uh, you know, they lost by two touchdowns at Louisiana Tech. Middle Tennessee ran for nearly 500 yards against them. The, their run defense has been a problem going uh, going back to almost like the entire Butch era. Um, they've just not been able to figure out how to stop the run. It's, it's a very difficult thing to do in Conference USA, uh, so, you know, their their fan base is just kind of down right now um, for where they were at the beginning of the year. And it's kind of disappointing because, you know, we talk about on that other podcast all the time how – and we've talked about it on here, and I, uh, Jack kind of makes fun of me for it. It's like we want this game to be meaningful. You know, it would be cool if they say this is for the East. You know, winner wins the East. But it's not. This is a game where FAU's 10.5-point favorites, and if it's – and if we win by 10 and a half points, I'll be kind of disappointed. This is a game we should win by 20 points based on yeah. how FIU is playing right now. For sure. Why, why stop at 20? Why not, why not 28? Oh, no, yeah. I mean, what, last Let's go year, like Akron, right? No, 47. <laughs> last year, what uh, Lane was uh, – God, uh, was, was r- running uh, read options with Rafe Peavy, was running balls into the end zone <laughs> with two minutes left in the game last year. Um, Lane knows – uh, you know, we've talked about this a little bit, you know, uh, you know, the FIU people. And this is a game where Lane can separate himself from Butch. They were hired together. 
they were kind of compared. Even after last year, the first two years, Lane had one good year. Then FIU kind of came back and had a nice year last year. You know, Lane had the Conference USA title and both head-to-head victories. But, you know, I think FIU had one more overall win. You know, both programs seem to be on the up and up. Uh, FIU's schedule is really difficult to finish the year. Us, a neutral, quote-unquote, side game versus Miami, and then at Marshall and Huntington. So there's a chance that they're not going to become bowl eligible, uh, similar to we were last year, but they've gotten blown out a lot of games. If we win and we go on to make the, you know, Conference East title, Lane has established himself above Bush uh, in kind of this little FAU head-to-head, you know, with these two coaches. Yeah, I think – Something that's interesting there, and, and it, this well may have uh, continued to to go in opposite directions, but uh, somebody posted the the records of the coaches hired in 2017, and Butch was not that much. Uh, I think it was two games behind Lane. And I think Butch has had more mediocre success consistently, and we went crazy, you know, and had a, a, a ton of wins in Lane's first year, and then. Uh, kind of backtracked a little bit last year, but I thought I thought that was interesting. If you were looking just at records, you would be like, "Oh wow, the the it, it it's actually closer than what it is." But I think in reality, it feels like Lane has already kind of distanced himself. It, and just Lane has some big wins under his belt, Butch really doesn't. I mean, they've outside of the bowl win. I mean, last yeah, year. outside of the bowl game, and I, you know, Eric and I, Eric Henry, who we have on the show later, kind of became friends through Twitter because I criticized. <laughs> FAU last year and I said the only thing that really separated FAU and FIU last year is we had to play Louisiana Tech and go to North Texas uh, last year while they got Rice and UTSA to the bottom teams in the West and I said that was the difference between us being bowl eligible and them not because they were hounding us for not being bowl and you know FAU lost a lot of close games last year and if you like again you look at FIU this year They've gotten blown out in some Conference USA games um, and played some teams closer than they have should have not. So, um, you know, but again, this could really separate these two coaches. I mean, this would be uh, if FAU was having just how I saw FAU fans react how we lost, when we lost to Marshall at home. If FAU was having this type of season right now, FAU fans would be burning stuff down it people would be really angry yeah this this year's game of the Shula Bowl reminds me a lot of last year the 2018 season just with the roles reversed last year it seemed like FAU was kind of limping into the game not expecting to pick up a result on the road well FIU was in the hunt to win Conference USA East. Remember, they were actually the number one team in the division at this point, at a lot going into last year's Shula Bowl. So because of that, I am a, a bit worried, knowing that it is a rivalry game, so you never know what can happen. Um, that being said, I feel like last year's FAU team is better than this year's FIU team. You know, you know what I mean by that? Because the, the roles are reversed from last year to this year. Uh, their rushing defense, guys, is bad. We, we've been talking about it for so long now. It's, it's ranked 109th out of the 130 FBS teams. Uh, 
that's when it comes to total rushing yards. That's not including uh, yards per rush. And that makes him about 119th, 118th around there. Uh, the game against Old Dominion, I mean, I was listening to the Shula Bowl podcast, Shane, that you guys posted a couple days ago. And David, uh, you know, the, the FIU, FIU guy, was saying, look, if I could take any positive out of this game, it's that our defense played well. Well, congratulations. Your defense played well against the last, the worst offense in the entire nation with a true freshman quarterback at the helm. And, and that's what you're taking away from it, that your defense played well. And, you know, I mean, I'm happy that, you know, there are 200 fans in attendance had something to cheer about. But this is just one of those games where you just see a dog that's dying in a street and you just put a bullet in its brain just to end it. You know what I mean? I'm sorry if that's morbid, but, I mean, they have <laughs> Miami next. They have Marshall next. Let's put the dog down. Let's do them a favor. Let's don't get their hopes up about getting becoming bowl eligible. Little extreme, but yeah, sure. I mean, <laughs> the things that um, worry me about this game is, yes, kind of the team limping in. I, I do think them playing Miami the next week, um, if you, like I pointed out on Twitter this week, if anyone follows me, how FEU Athletics seems to, they're, they're pretending they're not playing the Shoe Bowl this week. It's all about Miami. Um, you know, Pete Garcia has been looking for that, looking forward to that game uh, all year. He can wear his, you know, he always wears his UM gear, I guess. Um, you know, so he can go there and see both his teams at the same times. Um, but it, it's, it, I, I am kind of worried about that. You know, let's remember, James Morgan's still a good quarterback. Now, they are very banged up along the line. I don't even want to list all their injuries. They have so many. But the one thing that worries me and how FIU can stay in this game, and we're going to talk X's nose here, is, James Morgan still has not turned the ball over a lot, okay? Uh, and, you know, we talk about it every week on here, how we give up some passes. If James, Morgan, if James Morgan gets accurate, starts finding some receivers and man coverage and doesn't make the bad throw, um, he's good enough where he can carry them in a game. You know, um, he, he can get hot and they can get in it. And, you know, how FAU's offense can get stagnant sometimes. FIU's secondary is still very good. Um, we could talk about the running game all we want, and I think it, it took a huge step last week. But you know, let's be for real. I mean, we're we're on fifth string running back, so you know I do see an avenue for FIU how they could win this game. You know, manage our big plays, manage the run game. James Morgan gets hot. They win a lot of one on one battles. You know. Yeah. Again, it's it's a FAU has had success. Um, against FIU, but it, it's a conference game. FIU certainly can play spoiler, uh, similar to how we did last year uh, against FIU. And um, yeah, it's it's in, in a conference game towards the end of the season. You can't take anything for granted. FIU certainly has to be sharp. Um, and uh, again, FIU still has motivation. They 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 beat us. They they make it to bowl eligibility, and there's a good chance that they go to a bowl game with only six. Uh, with only six wins due to the more of the power fives having less bowl eligible teams. So they still have a ton. Uh, they still have a ton to play for. And um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's certainly, and, and kind of fortunate that we have this coming up because you can kind of tell um, that this, this game still, still means something to, to FAU players. They're, I don't think they're, they're overlooking it. I think uh, the, 
if, if you haven't been following the, the alumni, uh, FAU alumni, they've done a really good job. They posted a pretty funny video with, uh, with the bachelor, the bachelor at today uh, that you should go check out. But I've seen pictures of um, fo former football players, you know, posting their highlights from uh, the shoe the bowl or posting pictures and like, you know, captions like, uh, you know, you know what week it is and stuff like that. So I, I think the players, the players certainly, they understand um, the, not only the importance of the game to potentially move on uh, and, and keep our hopes alive for CUSA East, but they understand that, that this is um, what the rivalry means, basically. And it's, I mean, someone has to do it because FIU isn't. Um, I mean, you can say it's because of their fan base, lack of a culture, I'm not sure what it is. They have done better when it comes to growing their fan base and growing a culture the past couple of years, but it's just, it's just unmatched. Uh, Shane brought this up that he couldn't find anything about the FIU student government about doing some sort of tickets for the students, uh, getting a bus together for students, things that FAU does all the time, no matter the opponent inside the state of Florida. And FIU is just saying, oh, well, I hope you guys went to – you know, three games so you can get free tickets to see University of Miami at Marlins Park. I mean, just so you guys know, I watched that FIU Old Dominion game. I counted 52 students in the student section. Yeah, I, I'm not a big attendance talk person because, you know, uh, I, I hope we can get over 15,000 uh, this week. We, we, um, we don't have much room to talk, but down there, yeah. I mean, come on. But I, I do, you just do have a point, and we see this a lot on the Owl's Nest board. You know, I think I said to somebody, anyone who's been part of the Nest for a long time, I think every two months in FAU Nest history, someone makes a thread about marketing or ticket sales or how we can do better, and it always dissolves into the same conversation. It's been, well, just when, oh, we can do this. Um, you know, this week, FAU has shown their athletic department like how much they're trying just with simple mm -hmm. things. It's, you can't sit here and tell me it's not about marketing. And I've had text and I've had people text me and saying, you know, they have, they gave extra tickets to donors to give away to like, but you know, FAU is making efforts. You know, they might not do everything per perfect, but you know, as we've talked on this podcast before, this athletic department works hard. I love the 12, you know, the 12 and four deal, not even F giving FIU that, vacated win you know where an FIU fan would have to type in go owls to get cheaper tickets <laughs> you know it's it, it's a genius marketing plan to fill your two end zones with two with cheap tickets so it's you know it's fun FAU's making big strides and like you said the FAU alumni accounts has been great and the players so it's it's great to see that and it reminds you how far the school is uh has come the, uh, so the, the slogan, if you haven't seen it, they, they keep posting that it's, it's just simple math, which is not the first time that they've done that. And um, I posted this uh, on Twitter that uh, I remember the last time they did the simple math thing. And I think it was maybe, maybe it was like, uh, I, I, I think I may still have the T-shirt, but it, it was probably, you know, like 10 and three or 10 and four. And uh then we added another one to that loss column. So it, I'm, I'm, I'm more superstitious than I think most people. So I wasn't happy about that slogan because I knew what happened the last time they used that slogan. And you know what, though, is, is great. And I remember uh, FAU fans, I spent when I first joined the Owls Nest, I mean, people would always talk about let's create tradition, let's create tradition. And I'm always, I'm always a person. Tradition kind of just happens naturally. It's, you know, it, it, 
kind of like the best recipes, you know, they weren't planning on making it. And it was like, boom, um, the running at the Shula Bowl trophy, the sprinting across yeah. the field, usually FAU puts in the opposite corner. Last year, FIU just had it on our sideline or FAU, you know, um, and the kind of the one that's dissolved where administration says stop, but the players do it anyways, rip the other helmet off. Yeah. Now, that, now they're removable. It's complete, they're, they're completely removable. Oh, okay. So cool. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, I think that's, yeah, I guess. Um, and there was one year, I think, uh, you know, if you remember Shalom, the player that they had the FIU helmet and it was in a trash can on campus. And the, <laughs> but I think one of the coolest traditions FAU has developed in a short football history, one that's cool. I mean, is there any cooler site than when the clock's counting down with 15 seconds left and the team's all lining up like they're ready to run a 40-yard dash to sprint across yeah. the field and grab that trophy? I mean, it's, it's one of the few cool traditions we've developed in this short time. So, I mean, that, I mean, that feeling's awesome. And we've, yeah. we've had a lot of times to do it, that's for sure. I noticed that the, the running across the, the field normally happens when you're taking it from the other team. So um, it, what, what will happen is that the team that, that's the defending Shield Bowl champion will have it on a corner of their sideline where, where, they're, where they're at. Uh, so therefore, it's to the duty of the, the, the winning team, if it's going to change hands, to sprint over there, take it from the other team, rip the other helmet off, and throw it in the trash. Um, so I, I, I did kind of want to mention um, one thing, and we may have talked about this on Sunday, uh, but the, uh, there, there hasn't been much uh, more news uh, about B.J. Emmons, uh, but things seem to be pointing pretty, pretty positively. I didn't get a chance to – I don't think there was anything else uh, posted. Did you guys see anything else about B.J. Emmons potentially with, you know, since we are pretty depleted at running back? Uh, B.J. Emmons did practice today. Huh. Uh, I'm a little surprised. I, I know we're depleted at running back. Uh, and I'm surprised for this reason is because he, you can redshirt BJ this year. Now our running back situation, looking forward, we have a ton of running backs. We took a ton last class, James Meeks, um, you know, from Dwyer is still supposed to come in the spring as a gray shirt. So we have tons of, I mean, Next spring, we're going to be talking about between the deepest position. So right now, it's very needed. But it, it is a little thought to be like, why rush him back if he's – and I'm not saying they are rushing him back. I mean, sometimes a broken foot, they just heal. You rebuild the muscle, and you kind of get back in football shape. It's not like coming back off a soft tissue injury where it's like you're burning a whole year for, you know, possibly using him the last three games. But, I mean, but also, if it's to win a Conference USA title – you know, if we really need him versus Louisiana Tech and really need him versus Southern Miss, then it's probably worth it. So what do you guys kind of think of that? I, I tend to lean yeah. more red here. I, 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 I agree. He's... It, Go ahead, it, Jack. Yeah, sorry. Sorry, Dan. If, if we're in a position where we can win the Conference USA Championship game, which Lane Kiffin has always said, especially the past few weeks since we started this win streak, um, is the goal – that the going to the championship game is the goal, then we have to put the best players that can put us in that situation out on the field. Um, I, now, I don't know if that means we put him out there against FIU, even if we're struggling. But, you know, if, if, if Marshall loses, you know, say this weekend, and then, you know, we went out going into Southern Miss and we're starting to struggle, especially on the ground, why not? Because he can still be redshirted if he plays a couple more games. At that point, if the dominoes fall, if the stars align, 
why would it how could it hurt well, well what you hold on what you could do sorry dan Marshall has a bye this week. They have Louisiana Tech next week when we're on a bye. If we win this week and maybe play him and use him because we're so depleted at running back, we have a bye. Maybe we get a couple of our guys healthy and back. And if depending if Marshall wins or loses, we can decide maybe play him UTSA or maybe, hey, we got a couple of our guys back healthy. Let's shut him down. We used him. We have three more games to use him for. So use him for those three games and shut him down if you don't need him. So I, that's just a thought, you know, I had, but who knows how we might play it. I love so that. My, no, I love that. My thinking goes completely is, is more selfish for BJ Emmons, meaning he, and he kind of, he kind of said this where he pushed to get back and the trainers were kind of like, Whoa. And he, this may be, he may already have it in his mind that he's done. Like I'm playing because this is my last year in college done with football. He's only been in college, so he played his freshman year at Alabama, a year right. at JUCO, and didn't play anywhere last year. He was at home. That no, right, so no, he was a junior. True junior. If he decides right. to go to the NFL this year, uh, you better hope a league starts under that. He doesn't have enough film. He's got to come back next but year. But what I'm, I'm uh, basically, I, I would relate it to um, Jovan Durant, who still had another year. And decided to leave because he was done. Yeah, but Javon so Durant think, was conference like one of the leaders in conference USA in receiving. And so again, no, I'm, I'm basically what what I'm saying is that he may have already made up his mind that he is he's he's done with school. Whether he can um, uh, whether he can make it or not, he may just say I'm done. So that's what what I'm thinking. Why he may have pushed to come back so much that it may be out of well, obviously it's in the coach's hands to see if they're going to play him or not. But I wouldn't be surprised if he said, all right, I'm. I'm done. Or, I'm not, not going to be playing like, in college. I'm going to come back this year and play next year, then be done. Don't redshirt me. I just want to play this year. Like, after next year, I'm done no matter what. So, whether I leave after right. next year as a redshirt junior or a senior, it might not matter. And if he was 87 running backs, you know, we'll have <laughs> next year, especially a lot of the younger guys, even like Kelvin Dean and Glover Cook, who we didn't really see any this year, um, they're going to start to emerge as backs next year, too. So, he might say, I don't want to stick around for two years of that. So who knows? I don't want to speculate what's in his head. Or he could just be a kid that's just like, I want to come back and help the team. And I feel healthy enough to do that. Right. Like, I've met BJ Emmons a couple times at camps. He, he's a great kid. You know, I mean. I, and I, um, another thing is he could, you know, be working towards getting game ready, kind of go through the, go through the process to get game ready, dress, not play, and then he basically, no matter what, he could play because FAU's got, um, well, I guess three more games in the conference championship and the bowl game. Um, so that would be four. So we, we kind of have to see. But he may be, you know, he may be going through the process. So what happens after the bye? Um, you know, he doesn't play this game, but after the bye, he's like, all right, I'm, I'm ready to go. So we'll see. Um, but, yeah, I think um, now we have Eric Henry from SB Nation joining us. Uh, to talk uh, FIU. He uh, writes for SB Nation and covers FIU and uh, I think some other uh, other stuff. But uh, thanks, Eric. Thanks for being on the show with us and welcome. Not a problem, guys. Thanks for having me on. You know, it's not like I don't spend enough time in my uh, life talking to Shane, so I can always make more time to talk to him and uh, the rest of you guys <laughs> over there at FAU, man. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, and for those that don't know, Shane and Eric do uh, a great podcast uh, called the Shoe the Bowl Podcast. 
and uh, we can we can talk more about that later on. But let's let's kind of get down to the nitty gritty here. So, Eric, uh, for those of us that haven't been uh, kind of keeping up with FIU, uh, I think most of our fans tend to always, you know, when they're checking out the scores, they'll they'll tend to see how FIU did. Really, probably just to see if FIU lost. Um, but uh, kind of give us a, a, a rundown of how FIU's uh, season has gone so far. If I had to describe FIU's season in one phrase, I would say stuck in traffic, definitely stuck in neutral. It's been start and go, start and go, and they've never quite hit the express lane. You know, very much indicative of I-95 traffic down there. You know, uh, to really break it down into three major reasons why the Panthers are five and four right now, we got to start with the offensive line, and that's the one where I have to eat the most crow. I definitely thought that this unit, because Alan Mogridge, the offensive line coach, offensive coordinator Rich Skrosky and head coach Butch Davis, they kind of prioritize having depth at the position to the sense where they'll play eight, nine, and ten guys at across the offensive line per game. And they did so last year to the tune of, you know, really good success. They were fourth in FBS football, only allowing eight sacks last year, and they returned a lot of guys. So I thought that, hey, you know, yes, they lost Jordan Budwig, who's one of the best offensive linemen in CUSA. They also lost a couple seniors who were solid, reliable guys with nothing special, who I, what I thought. Um, you flip that around, yes, the team's only allowed 13 sacks, and that's good for third, third fewest in Conference USA, but James Morgan has spent the entire year under duress. Um, you know, whether it's been pressures or, you know, hurries, the run, rushing attack, uh, while if you look at the overall total numbers are still good, the consistency hasn't been there as well. So that's point one. Point two is the run defense. And that's one that I don't think any of us could have imagined would have been just as bad, if not worse than last year, because it's been an issue for the past year and a half. Uh, it, it's one that, you know, they play well against the UMasses and UTEPs of the world. Uh, they did admirably against Charlotte, against one of the better running backs to see USA and Benny LeMay. But when you play a team that has, you know, quite frankly, the same level of talent, if not more than them, they allow almost 500 yards of rushing. And that's what you saw uh, against Middle Tennessee State, against Tulane, and uh, I believe 260 against Louisiana Tech. So that happens. And then the third thing has just been injuries. You know, uh, they're banged up. And we'll talk about that going on. But this team, even coming out of fall camp, never seemed like they were fully healthy. And, you know, that's kind of manifested to where we are today. Uh, Eric, you know, there was a ton of expectations for FIU this season. They were kind of the off-season darling. I believe they were preseason uh, conference USA East favorites. Uh, you know, we've talked about this on the Shula Bowl pod. I mean, what a point, especially with these last three games uh, being really difficult. I mean, does it still feel like they can accomplish something this season or does it already kind of feel like a, it, it was a loss? season, which I think FAU went through a little bit last year once they realized they weren't uh, winning the East. That's a really good question, Shane. And there's two ways to answer it. Are you, if you're asking me personally, I say yes. There's a lot they can accomplish. That huge amount that they can accomplish is qualifying for their third straight bowl appearance, which is something this program has never done. I think people tend to overlook because of the recent success that they've had with Butch Davis and because of the fact that, you know, they have an ideal location in South Florida and they're supposed to be able to recruit all this great talent, the fact that in their 18 years, they have a win percentage of under 40%. 
you know, so this program has essentially, you know, they have a history of, of futility. So the fact that they can have the opportunity to qualify for three straight bowl games. Now, we don't know whether six wins will get them in or not, but at least if you get to that mark, you put yourself in the, in the, you know, in the game. In my opinion, that's huge. Now, if you ask FIU fans, there's no doubt about it that the level of enthusiasm around this program has dipped ever since the one and three start. I mean, no one's going to deny that. It kind of picked back up, you know, heading into the middle Tennessee state game thinking like, okay, we've won three in a row. We have a chance to get back in there. And then not only losing in the fashion they did or losing the game, but losing in the fashion that they did giving up so many rushing yards and the offense kind of falling apart in the second half. That's really kind of killed off any enthusiasm that this, the, the fan base kind of has around this team for this year. And there's definitely seems to be a little bit of a sense of, all right, you know, let's just get this one. It was a learning experience and move on to next year. But like I said, in my opinion, I think if you have a chance, which you would need to beat FAU, uh, beat Marshall, uh, you know, potentially beat UM, you know, one of those three to get the six wins. I just think that's huge to build that culture of consistency and for Butch Davis and the staff to get, you know, a dozen extra practices with the guys for a bowl game and get them through the experience just to keep things going. So that's my two cents on that. You know, you know, Eric, I, I feel like it's saying how, you know, you kind of as an outsider think it's the season isn't over. I can kind of, feel bad for the FIU fans a little bit because they kind of go into this, this season with expectations. Um, and your expectations are always a bit higher if you have some sort of emotional investment into the team. You know, if I'm kind of understanding you correctly, you're saying that, you know, once you lose that emotional investment um, and you can relate from last year's, you know, kind of, um, I guess last year for FAU was a bit of a season, you know, kind of like where FIU is this year where, yeah. Yeah, you know, you come off the conference championship and you think like, all right, you know, we've got great hopes. You know, you had Motor. You had Motor and Kareth White back last year and you're thinking, all right, you know, the sky's the limit. Um, so, yeah, I can understand that. But I don't know if that has – I don't know if that has as much to do with me being an outsider as much as just kind of, you know – I mean, Shane can vouch for this. I'm very much a glass half full guy instead of a glass half empty guy. So I think it has more to do with my own personal perspective. But just also, once again, uh, I think looking at FIU's overall record really drove it home for me. The fact that this team, they haven't had that, you know, history of success. You know, I, I hate to bring it back to UCF, which for those of you listening is my alma mater. But UCF, outside of the winless years, you know, George O'Leary's first year and George O'Leary's last year, they had had a pretty decent standard of success. So when in, you're a school like that, you know, to kind of regress back to the mean and um, have a six or seven win year, you say that's a disappointment. But when you're FIU and you're looking to build that culture of consistent success, it doesn't happen overnight. So I think FIU fans kind of have to take that for what it is. But, and once again, that's not letting the team off the hook. Of course, when you bring back all the starters you do and, uh, you know, an, uh, an all-conference quarterback like James Morgan, an all-conference linebacker like Sage Lewis, you have high expectations, but I just think you have to look at things in perspective and say, hey, we have a chance to qualify for our third grade bowl game. That's something we haven't done. You know, typically it's been one year of success and then back to two wins. Uh, Eric, and we I asked we did have this discussion a little bit on the uh, Shula Bowl podcast, but I kind of want to phrase this differently and not so much in, you know, with uh, in means to Bush. Sure. I brought up the point that. If FAU goes on to win this game, which, you know, right now they're favored too, but it's a rivalry game. We, we never know what could happen, these things. And FIU just can't get it together these last three, three games. And FAU goes on and at least plays in the Conference USA title game and 
or, you know, goes on to win it and have a successful season. Since, you know, you cover all of Conference USA as well, you know, at that point, the perception between uh, Butch and Lane, each after kind of year three, do you think kind of from a big picture Conference USA uh, view that the two coaches really would have separated themselves at this point and at that point? You know, Shane, when you phrase it that way, I think it's a really good question. I mean, for those of you who want to go back and hear Shane and I's previous debates, you can go back and listen to the Shula Bowl. Um, I think the way Shane phrased it here makes it interesting. It, to answer your question specificity, do I think the perception of Butch versus Lane takes a hit? It's something that after our last podcast, I had to step back and think about a little bit. I Maybe I'm biased because I cover Butch. I don't want to say the perception takes a hit because Butch Davis, he's kind of regarded like the Doc Holliday's and Rick Stockstills of the world, especially if you go to conference USA media days, the way they talk about them, kind of like, you know, and I mean this respectfully, the elder statesmen of CUSA, the guys who you know are solid football coaches and really good football men. But where I do have to give you credit and, and give your point credence is this. When you take a step back and you look at it in three years, should FAU run the table and win the East, you know, obviously going to need some help with a martial loss. But let's say, for example, FAU wins the East, right? And they go to the Commerce title game. They, they don't have to win it, but let's just say they win the East. That would be two East championships in three years. Whereas for FIU, they would have, you know, two bowl games, but not quite the same level of success as FAU. So do I think there might be a slight separation? I don't know if that would be the perception among conference usa coaches so to speak but i can absolutely see the point that you're making that there might be that perception among you know maybe the lay person i would say to to give you know kind of really put meat to your point if we're having this discussion again next year then i would say you might really start to see that separation but it's just not a feeling that i got from conference usa coaches going to media days i mean the way they speak about you know Butch davis like i said it's the same way they talk about rick stock still and doc holiday is kind of being the elder statesman and the really well-respected guys in conference i i guess also just in kind of my thinking along with that and it's a little different and also just kind of with our fans uh, in regards to Lane, you know, a second East title in two years, even kind of with the disappointing season. Uh, and we've talked about that was mostly just a lot of close FAU losses, uh, uh, you know, not very similar to what FIU struggled with some bad uh, losses this year. But, you know, I think Lane probably at that point separates himself in that t top three splitting hairs of conference USA coaches. Would you argue that's correct? I mean, fully established himself in that top three, no matter how, who you kind of want to mix in there. You're saying should FAU go ahead and win the East this year, correct? Yeah, yeah. Lane would unquestionably be a top three coach in Conference USA. He's there yeah. now. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm right. I, I go ahead, Shane. Yeah, no, Jack. I, I think that's. I think for FAU fans, it's a good point. But and, and this is curious that I'm kind of going back to a lot of summer writing where I remember there was an SB Nation article where they ranked the coaches and Lane was like fifth, um, and it seemed like you know Bill Clark was ahead. And you know I, I, I think UAB. <laughs> I have I've had my thoughts on Bill Clark in the past, um, but you know it seemed like Lane was down there now. Everyone kind of had a different view of him. He had two very different seasons. Now, two out of three, and you look at the middle season as more of an aberration. I mean, I don't. Yeah, so I, I just, yeah, he would have to be in the top three, basically. Uh, best Based upon where, 
he is now and what he's done now. Um, and then, like like Shane was saying, if if he wins the East, then do you think there's any debate to it, Eric? No, I mean, I would have to agree. And to the point that Shane was making about Lane having been, you know, I think the, the article had him as like sixth or fifth or something like that. I wonder how much of that has to do with a Lane bias. And we all know, I mean, this is a FAU podcast. So I'm sure you guys are all familiar with kind of the inherent Lane bias there is because you don't think of him just squarely with FAU, right? You think about the missteps at USC, you think about the things at Tennessee, and then you say, all right, that guy's all flash and no substance, and you rank him fifth behind a Bill Clark, who maybe you have an inherent bias to like Bill Clark more because he stood things, wrote things out at UAB and, and, and things of that nature. Shane and I disagree on Bill Clark. I, I think he's done a phenomenal job, but, um, but no, to answer that, absolutely. I mean, I'm just trying to think off the top of my head. If I were to give you three, you know, you gotta have Skip Holtz in there because Skip Holtz has been consistent. You yep. got to have, you know, um, you got to have Doc Holliday in there as well. You're going to have Bill Clark, and then you're going to have your mainstays, right? Guys who are really respected, like Rick Stock still. Um, Seth Luttrell, before this year, is a guy who absolutely would have been considered top three. But no, if for my money, I'm putting uh, Lane Kiffin top three, should they. Uh, even even without, you know, even if they don't go in and win the East, I would put them top three. But absolutely so if they go and win the East this year. Oh, man, poor poor Frank Wilson at UTSA, man. I really thought he'd be in there in that, in that top three. Yeah, old Frank Wilson's got bigger issues than work up in his top three uh, with a new AD down there in Lisa Campos, if you, uh, if you catch my drift. Yeah, exactly. Um, so before we finish up, guys, I, Eric, you, you've done a great job of covering FIU this year for uh, Underdog Dynasty, and I want to say good job with that. Um, Appreciate it. Nation. Of course, man, of course. Uh, and you guys talked a bit about this on this week's episode of the Shula Bowl podcast, but how much of FIU even being in bowl contention has to do with that weak strength of schedule? So once again, this is a point that Shane will appreciate, right? Because I kind of fought him tooth and nail on this last year. I didn't feed him that question. I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. You know, so I am a believer and. Whoever's on your schedule, you can't control the fact that, I mean, take, for example, North Texas this year, right? You know, everyone thought that North Texas was going to be, uh, you know, far and away win the East. Everyone thought that FIU, you know, the media vote actually had Marshall winning the East. So that was right. They had FIU coming in second. But everyone thought that FIU would be a good team this year. So if you had both North Texas and FIU on your schedule, you can't control the fact that they didn't play well. Now, to Shane's point, um, yeah, I, you know, I can't hide from it again for a second year in a row. The fact that you have wins over UTEP and ODU, it, it is what it is. So how much of the fact that they are in bold contention has to do with the fact that they haven't beaten the best of teams? It has a lot to do with it. You know, I'm not going to sugarcoat that uh, for the past two seasons. I mean, I wrote about it a ton last year I, when FIU had a chance to step up and take that that next step, right, and beat someone who had equal talent to them at, or better, they whiffed outside of the bowl game. You lose to Marshall at home with a chance to win the division. You lose on opening week to opening day to Indiana. You know, obviously the Miami game, you're not really expecting that one, but you don't get it. So, um, yeah, you lose to FAU when you're, you're supposed to – that's kind of supposed to be your crowning game where it's the Shula Bowl and you're on your way to win the division and you get blown out, right? So – yeah, they're abs that's absolutely something that you have to look at. And I guess to spin it forward, I would wonder, is it a matter of them playing down to their competition or just not being good enough? 
that's a question I can't answer right now because I'm squarely in the, in the camp that they have enough talent. Um, but that talent hasn't manifested itself into wins against the top tier competition, whether it's CUSA or out of conference. So it's absolutely a point that that is worth considering. Save for maybe Louisiana tech, because I'm, I'm, you know, with the FIU fans on Twitter about that one, that officiating in that one was a bit rough, but at the same time, a, a great team that's projected by media and coaches to finish one or second in the East should be able to find ways to overcome officiating. It's the same thing I said to our fans at home after the Marshall game. If we really want to be one of the big boys, we've got to be able to, you know, fight off bad officiating mistakes. So. Well, yeah, Eric, I mean, we, oh, go for it. Go, go for it. Finish your I, I, I just was going to say really quickly, I, I, I agree with you. You know, if you are one of those top teams, then you'll find a way to win. You know, the, the refs, uh, unless it's like, a, you know, a New Orleans Saints, L.A. Rams deal like last year where, you know, they blow the, the, the call that egregiously, you know, and, and it puts the team in field goal range to win the game. You should find a way to win. So, agreed. Yeah, but one campaigning to another, were you really upset to see the Saints lose like that? Were you really upset? I, I wasn't. <laughs> I I was not uh, upset to see the Saints lose. I got to confess that. You know, I'm we're we're long-suffering Bucks fans, so yeah, I, I wasn't mad at that. <laughs> All right, well, um, Eric, we greatly uh, greatly appreciate you being on with us and providing some some insight on and off the field for FIU. So if if there are FAU fans uh, that want to kind of continue to follow you along, what's the what's the best way um, to reach you? Sure, guys. Once again, appreciate you guys for having me on. It's always fun getting to come on, you know, with the uh, quote-unquote opposing team, even though I know most of you guys. So uh, that's always fun. But if you want to follow my work, you can find me on Twitter at Eric C. Henry underscore. That's Eric, E-R-I-C. And if you want to follow my articles, you can find me. Uh, some of the stuff does get aggregated up to the main SB Nation website, but primarily you can find me at underdogdynasty.com. Uh, some of the stuff go makes it to msn.com, so you can find it you know, basically across your internet platforms. And then also um, the Shulable podcast, at Shulable Pod on Twitter, brought to you by Five Reasons Sports. And uh, don't forget, I, I love the uh, Conference USA podcast. Anyone who wants to listen to that and get like the full rundown of weekly Conference USA uh, on the Underdog Dynasty. So thank yeah, you, man. Eric. Yeah, this, this, uh, we're we're going to talk every day this week. Shane and I are literally best friends at this point, man. I mean, you know, we've we've had beer together. We drink. We uh, we we don't drink every day, but we talk every day. So, uh, yeah, I I talk to him more than I do my own brother at this point. So, uh, we it is what it is. All right. Well, we appreciate you being on on with us, and um, yeah, made the best owl team win on Friday on Saturday. (laughs) Hopefully, I'll see you guys out there Saturday. Appreciate it, guys. Anytime. All right. Thanks. All right. Uh, well, that wraps up this episode. Uh, we thank Eric for being on with us. And as always, Shane and Jack. And uh, so, uh, Shulaville, number 18, uh, this Saturday, 6 p.m. Hopefully going to have some great weather, uh, great weather coming in. I think the, every weatherman I follow on Twitter, because, yes, I follow weatherman on Twitter, uh, has said uh, Florida fall could start. Um, could start. Uh, I won't be at the game, unfortunately. I'll be out of town. Uh, but you can check the game out on Stadium, which I'm pretty excited about because I really enjoyed the Stadium broadcast. They were way more reliable than uh, ESPN Plus, that's for sure. So 
Um, make sure you check us out uh, on Twitter, obviously, at Inside the Borough, com for all the forum chatter and news and notes there. And um, yeah, we hope to be talking next week about the uh, 13th win uh, in the shooting bowl history for FAE. So we will talk to you guys later. And always thanks uh, for supporting us and um, allow us.